Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show by Silver Joe Show co-host Joe sitting in for Alan today while he is off working on his book, at least if he can. See, the problem is that uh, the local construction crews who are working on the road right outside his studio decided to do it today instead of next week, which is what he was preparing for. So in lieu of hearing jackhammers for two hours, he decided to turn the show over to me and just go work on his book. But if Alan were here with us today, he would give to you his mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, Democrats out of our wallets, and both our First and Second Amendment rights. And we also want soundproof boots for our studios that not even a nuclear bomb explosion outside could be heard inside of. But alas, Alan, the studio does not have that. <laughs> anyway, this Alan Nathan show is a Main Street Radio Network production, so we want to thank the Main Street Radio Network for allowing this program to exist. Sometimes the uh, management doesn't like what we air, but we air it anyway. They allow it to be aired anyway. Appreciate that. We also appreciate their strong support of us, despite some of their sponsors also disagreeing with the content of the program. And we want to thank the Salem Radio Network for distributing this show as well. The Alan Nathan show is, well, it's in its 25th year, probably going on its 26th year soon. I forgot exactly which month. I thought it was later in the year, but I could be wrong. After all, the mainstream radio network has its anniversary recently. It's now in its uh, 14th year. That's a polite way of saying that it has been around 13 years without invoking that unlucky number. And uh, uh, Soul Time, uh, Al Nathan Show, has been a product of the Main Street Radio Network during its whole existence, so we appreciate that. And give them some love. MainStreetRadioNetwork.com is the website. You can find about the Al Nathan Show there. The Silk or Joe Show is up there as well. You can also find them on on Facebook, Main Street Radio Network, also on Twitter, at Main Street Radio, and the Alan Nathan Show, of course, has AlanNathan.com, and on Twitter, at Alan Nathan, and my humble show is Silk or Joe Show. It's on Getter, G-E-T-T-R dot com at Silker Joe Show. All right. At this point, Alan would write, write, read his pre-written topics. I was about to mix up which one was read and which one was written there. But here are my pre-written topics for the day. The proponents of socialism in our government claim it is benevolent, yet their actions are tyrannical. Why is this always the case with socialists? Now, <laughs> Some of this was invoked, uh, well, also by just one of the guests that I have and seems to fit the overall content of the guests that I'm going to have on the show later on, uh, this whole idea of socialism and the benevolence of it and whatever. But what really sparked this was know, a few weeks ago, Bernie Sanders came out with this new book or whatever. I'm not going to bother giving the title because, A, I didn't write it down. B, I didn't care to write it down. C, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. But also, D, it's very hypocritical of Bernie because he's out there doing a book tour. Very capitalist thing by, to uh, to do. You know, you publish your book, you make lots of money off of it, and then you go on book tours where people pay to see you. That's not socialism at work right there. That is capitalism, baby. Yeah, so Bernie is very capitalist in his pursuit of socialism. Go figure. He's a millionaire with like three or four houses, yet he claims to be a socialist. (laughs) Now, CNN, some propagandist over there had this article where they were trying to say that uh, millionaire socialist Bernie Sanders is right when he says America is, quote, uber capitalist, unquote. (laughs) Now, that's nonsense. America hasn't been capitalist the way Bernie describes it since before World War I. And people like Bernie are the reason why. In fact, capitalism is just about dead in America, thanks to Bernie and his ilk. Now, they claim to be socialists, but, uh, you know, you don't see too many millionaire socialists with four houses. Uh, Actually, kind of what they do leans far away from socialism. It, It gets more to the definition of fascism, which I'll get to in a moment. But first, I want to explain a little bit about why I'm saying America isn't exactly capitalist anymore, uh, quite frankly. Capitalist system has been reined in so much it is virtually socialist at this point. You have so many regulations that companies need lots of lawyers, high paid lawyers, to navigate the system of laws that we have. You can't really start a small business unless you have a lawyer on the staff. 
there's just so many laws that you got to get through. You need to go to some special organization if you're a small business owner and you want to start. Well, if you want to be a small business owner, you either need to suddenly become a lawyer overnight and navigate hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of laws that have been passed to rein in businesses. Now, these big companies, though, they can do whatever they like because they pay lawyers to do it, but small businesses are squashed. That's hardly a capitalist system there. A capitalist system, the small business owner could just start it up. In fact, a true capitalist system would have no laws regulating businesses whatsoever, which I'm going to say is not a good idea. I'm not a true capitalist. Uh, Like government needs checks and balances, corporations, any significant group of power that humans manage to manifest need some kind of checks and balances involved on it, especially checks and balances from outside third-party sources because humans are terrible people. (laughs) Anyway, but what we have here is far beyond the pale, far beyond just simple regulations to uh, keep the worst instincts of humans in mind. What we have is just this horrific system of burdensome regulations, over-regulations, fees. It's just awful. Small businesses don't stand a chance. That virtually every small business out there, unless they have a solid lawyer around the clock that's been policing every email that they send, probably has violated a law, probably has committed a felony and just doesn't know it. In fact, every American has probably commits a felony like every day, pretty much, uh, at least according to one study that's several years old. So by now, it could be two or three felonies a day that we're up to just by sitting and breathing. That's the sort of overregulated system we have. That is not capitalism at all. That is, in fact, much closer to socialism. And also in capitalism, the government doesn't stick its nose into the affairs and pick winners and losers. Look at the Silicon Valley Bank bailout, for example. In capitalism, you don't bail out banks. You let them fail because the, the whole idea of free market capitalism is you let the markets decide. The government stays the heck out of it. So – Why would the government be involved in bailing out banks, especially niche little banks like Silicon Valley Bank? The only reason that that has any popularity whatsoever, they they had like, what, three locations or something, New York, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco or Los Angeles or wherever, somewhere out west. Just centers of power for leftists and corporate masters and politicians. That's the only demographic that they really cater to. It's a very niche bank. It's not the sort of thing that you would use taxpayer money to bail out. (laughs) And the irony is these Silicon Valley bank people and their clientele are all ardent socialists, yet they're using our taxpayer money to bail out their bank. That's Again, that's one of the isn't that one of the abuses of capitalism that they said, why this government is fascist or something like that? But no, here they are being total hypocrites about it and using our system to bail themselves out at the expense of you, the taxpayer. They are they, you want to talk about income inequality, they're using your taxpayer money, you who could probably doesn't have enough money to even be considered a client of Silicon Valley Bank, because I'm sure they have some sort of mandatory minimum for your income level that everyone is well below except the Uber rich. So they're using you, the poor, to bail out the rich. And yet they are the ones who claim to be the socialists. Go figure. <laughs> Again, socialist millionaires like Bernie Sanders, who claim to be socialists, are using your money to bail out Silicon Valley Bank. That's why I'm saying we don't really have a capitalist system in this country. We have fake socialists who are using the government to fund their pet projects while telling you that you need to pay more in taxes so that they have more money to fund their little pet projects and their corporate friends. As point of fact, what the Democrats are doing is seems a little bit closer to a certain other ideology. Uh, let's do a definition of it. Uh, generally defined as a political movement that embraces uh, the forceful suppression of any opposition, all overseen by an authoritarian government. They strongly um, oppose liberalism and democracy and believe the state takes precedence over individual interests, favor centralized rule, often a single party or leader, and embrace the idea of a national rebirth, a new greatness for their country. Economic self-sufficiency is prized, often through state-controlled companies, like Silicon Valley Bank, for example. I just gave a slightly edited definition of fascism, by the way. I left out all the nationalistic components and where it says far right, but uh, this is a definition mostly provided by CBS News verbatim, aside from what I mentioned that I left out. 
So what do we have from this? Forceful suppression of any opposition. Gee whiz, just look at Antifa. They go around, they, they stopped uh, Charlie Kirk from speaking. They, they go around harassing just about anybody that tries to speak against the, their benevolent Democrat leaders, authoritarian government. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and look what they're doing to the January 6th crowd. Lead them into the Capitol. You see video of police shoving them into the Capitol only to arrest them. Uh, you have some people who walk into the Capitol just carrying a flag, and then when police tell them to leave, they leave. Suddenly they're facing decade, uh, they're facing five years in jail and the government's taking their kids away for doing exactly what police told them. Oppose democracy. Yeah, guess what the Democrats oppose? I've, we've been over that before, of course. Centralized rule. Duh. Single party or leader. Yeah. Look at what Democrats want for the Republican Party. They want it exterminated. If you're not a Democrat, you're a racist. I would say that they advocate single-party leader and, of course, state-controlled companies. Yeah, that's definitely what they have there. We could have seen that with the Twitter files. Folks, more Silker Joe, or more Alan Nathan shows already coming up after this break. Gosh, I knew I'd do that. <laughs> this message is provided by Beringer Ingelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global Fibronir Program. To learn more about Fibronir and eligibility requirements, visit fibronir-ipf.longboat.com and fibronir-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time Ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. 
Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Silk or Joe Show co-host Joe filling in for Alan today. We are joined now by Selwyn Duke. He has written for The New American for over 10 years and has been a contributor to outlets such as The Hill, The American Conservative, and American Thinker. Selwyn Duke, happy to have you back on the show. How are you today? Fine, Joseph, and it's great to be with you. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. So you have a new article out over here at the New American titled Socialism Rising with Bernie Sanders Leading the Charge. I assume that's about his new book. Yeah, yeah. In part, it's about his new book. He has this new book titled, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And in the book, of course, he has nothing nice to say about capitalism. And you might ask, well, what's the big deal about this? Sanders has been ranting for decades. But the problem, Joseph, is that we've seen in recent years now that socialism has been gaining a lot of currency, especially among the young people. Let me give you a good example. There was a 2019 poll, a report by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation. Well, it found, get this, more than 70% of millennials said they were likely to vote for a socialist for president. Okay, that's staggering. And the problem here, Joseph, is that most of these people can't actually define socialism. They don't know what the word means. It just sounds good to them. You know, what's in a word? Well, branding is very effective. I mean, people like socializing and they like others who are sociable and they may belong to social clubs. And socialism sounds so nice, but of course, it's not nice at all. We today look back on Nazism, and of course, we say it's a horrible thing, rightly, and no one wants to be a Nazi. But if you look at socialism slash communism, it's history. I mean, its adherents left 100 million dead bodies in their wake. But because education is so poor and because young people have not been taught the perils of socialism, they may hold it in high esteem. And what we're seeing now, stop me if I'm going on too long, but... What we're seeing now is that people like Bernie Sanders are trying to rebrand socialism. They'll call it democratic socialism. And in one of my articles, I quoted this professor from Occidental College. His name is Peter Dreyer. And he said, well, you have to understand, we democratic socialists, we believe that business should stay in private hands. And I read that and I said, whoa, wait a second. That was never a tenet of socialism. So Obviously, they're trying to rebrand it, and branding is very, very significant, and that's why, by the way, I've been telling conservatives for years, and I've gotten a lot of pushback on this, that we need to stop using the term capitalism when combating this. Now, why do I say that? Well, it's very simple. That term, as it is applied to the political and economic realm, Joseph, was originated by socialists, and they used it pejoratively to demonize the other side. And it makes sense because if you think about it, capital means money, so capitalism could be conceptualized as moneyism. So we have to be smart if we want to win these debates. You know, the side that defines the vocabulary of a debate wins the debate, as that old book, The Tyranny of Words, informed. We have to stop using the lexicon of the left, and this is just one example. But I've been talking a lot, so I'll shut up now. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. You mentioned rebranding. I was going to use that exact word as well, but in a slightly different way, because the socialists that I have talked to over the years, they don't seem to understand exactly what it is that they're buying into at all. They think that uh, socialism, for example, is just, oh, the government uh, has universal health care. That's socialism. You know, Republicans have a hand in playing that, too. Uh, that idea that universal health care is strictly a socialist policy, therefore socialism must be good if everyone gets health care or housing or whatever. But then also they don't think of communist regimes as having socialist leanings or being communist at all, like the Soviet Union, for example. They say that wasn't communism at all. That's Stalinism. Now, they totally rewritten history when, ironically, their leader, Bernie Sanders, there would agree that uh, Soviet Union was communism. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had his honeymoon there. Right. Well, not only that, let's understand what the USSR stands for. It stood for the Union of Soviet Socialist 
republics, okay? So as Lenin said, what is socialism? He said socialism is the transitional phase on the way to communism. So really, it's very, very dangerous. And, you know, it's interesting, these democratic socialists, they'll say, as I mentioned, oh, well, we want industry to remain in private hands. We just want the government to intervene to make sure that business owners, quote, do the right thing. Well, unfortunately, what happens is when you have this state meddling in the private sector, when it happens enough, it devolves into a situation where the government can take over. Now, why? Well, let me give you one example. Democratic socialists believe in rent control. What happens when you have rent control? Well, landlords can't turn a sufficient profit, so they stop maintaining their properties. The businesses or the buildings, I should say, they become dilapidated. Then people start complaining then that gives the government a pretext for stepping in and instituting more regulations, and it can become even more difficult for landlords to make ends meet. They may go under, and if that happens, then, of course, the government's got to step into the breach and take over. And this can be replicated in industry after industry. It is very, very dangerous when you have that degree of government meddling in the economy. You know, you have to remember something here. You basically have with economies two choices. You can have what we call a healthy free market, or you can have an oligarchy of pseudo elites controlling things. Now, Joseph, what is the free market? Well, it comprises the people, all the people. And, you know, Winston Churchill said about democracy that it's the worst system in the world except for all the rest. And you can say the same thing about the free market or economic freedom, which really is democracy as applied to economics. And I say that because what happens there is that you have all the people, the market, casting votes every day through their buying decisions on what goods and services will prevail. So you have democratically the people determining how the economy is going to be. Would you rather have that or would you rather have a small oligarchy of pseudo-elites determining winners and losers, what should be bought, what should be sold, what prices there should be? There's no way you can have the latter and have it be successful. Because understand, as Thomas Sowell, the economist, has pointed out, all of us have expertise only in a very narrow range of endeavor. So you can't have bureaucrats in Washington orchestrating the economy successfully. It's absolutely impossible. One example, the average supermarket has about 15,000 items from the world over. Think how complex it is, Joseph, to organize that inventory, what you should discontinue, what you should stock, how much of it, prices, so on and so forth. And that's just one supermarket. Do you think that some bureaucrat from Washington could orchestrate all that in every supermarket across the nation and on top of it in every industry, the thousands upon thousands of other kinds of businesses? There's no way it could happen. You have to rely on what I believe Adam Smith called the invisible hand of the market. And it's very dangerous when you invite that big government beast into the economy to orchestrate things for you. Right. And uh, there's a certain irony here, too, because that is almost the system that we have already, the system that the socialists advocate for. And yet the reason socialism is so popular is because that system has failed. We keep calling it capitalism when it's like it's more akin to the system that they are actually trying to implement. And the, the reason that they want to implement it is because that system has failed already. Uh, we have uh, actually, yeah. if you wouldn't mind, love to have you stay on for another segment to continue talking about sure. this. Sure. All right, cool. So I will just wrap this segment up here and let you respond to that when the next segment starts. But folks, we have more Alan Nathan show coming up shortly. Hopefully you will make the free market choice of podcast listening and radio listening and stay tuned to the station or this podcast or this MP3, however you're choosing to listen to it. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. 
So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is in the air, and now's the time to spring forward with a delicious breakfast from Burger King, an all-natural Simply Orange juice. Begin your day with a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich with sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant, or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on a warm buttermilk biscuit. And make it a meal. All Burger King breakfast sandwiches go great with crispy hash browns and pair perfectly with a Simply Orange juice with no added sugar, never sweetened, never concentrated, and never frozen simply orange goes perfectly with breakfast at burger king and is rich in vitamin c and now through march 31st on the bk app royal perks members get a free single croissant sandwich with any simply orange juice purchase use code breakfast to redeem get a jump on spring with breakfast at burger king because you rule at participating u.s burger king restaurants royal perks account required restrictions apply see offer terms for details not valid on delivery orders sponsored by coca-cola Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome, excuse me, welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. We are still joined by Selwyn Duke. He has written for The New American for over 10 years, and we've been going over his article here, Socialism Rising, with Bernie Sanders leading the charge. It's over at thenewamerican.com. And now, at the Selwyn, at the end of the last segment, uh, we were discussing the sort of irony where 
the socialists out there, they're well, one of the large reasons that I've seen for people becoming socialism is, socialists is that they say capitalism has failed them, but we haven't really had true capitalism for quite some time. The system that they say has failed them is actually more akin to the overregulated, overburdened democratic socialism that they're trying to rebrand to. Well, yes, yes. But also, you have to put things in perspective here, Joseph. Now, I'm going to try to be kind because I want to be diplomatic, but these people are viewing the glass as half empty when they should be viewing it as half full. They're counting their curses, their alleged curses, and not their blessings. I mean, listen, even left-wing Think Progress, the website, said in 2013 that back then the standard of living around the world was the highest it had ever been in human history. Now, why was that? It was because of the spread of healthy market forces. And the reality is, is that we have to understand that for most of human history, the norm for humanity was grinding poverty. All this wealth that we see that we enjoy today is the result of market forces. And the problem here is that too many young people and some older people too, Joseph, they think that everything we see around us, the businesses, the infrastructure, the technology, they think that it happens just as a matter of course. But no, it doesn't. It's the result of the endeavor of the common man, which has been catalyzed through the incentive provided by market forces. And we have to understand something, that socialism is not something that has been untried, okay? It has a very long history of failure, and I can't give you chapter and verse, there isn't enough time, but let me just go back in history a little bit. In 1825, there was this Scottish reformer named Robert Owen. Okay, and he was sort of a socialist. And at the time in the United States, you had a lot of Christian communes, or at least religious communes, and some of them endured for more than 100 years. So some were successful. Maybe he was inspired by that, but he said, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to institute my own secular collectivist commune. And he did that in 1825, bought a town, called it New Harmony, and it attracted about 800 people. And you know how long it lasted? Well, it started faltering after just a couple of years, and it dissolved after four years. Why? Because what happened was it attracted layabouts, lazy people, productivity was stifled because the hard workers saw they were getting no more than the people who weren't willing to work. And that was just on the micro scale. You think it's going to work on the macro scale? No way. And we've seen that failure repeated over and over and over again throughout history. Because remember, what was the significant difference between the Christian or religious communes that were relatively successful and Robert Owen's secular collectivist commune? Well, neither had the profit motive, but the religious communes had the God motive. Whatever you think of their theology, if you believe, Joseph, that you're doing God's will by being industrious, or maybe even that you're working your way into heaven, that's a darn strong incentive. But socialism doesn't provide the profit motive or the God motive, so there's no motive at all, there's no incentive, then there's no productivity. And that is a good way of entering into a new dark age if you embrace that. It's not going to lead to anything good. No, and that's why you end up with them saying, well, socialism wasn't tried in the Soviet Union because it led to Stalinism. Well, that's exactly what was needed because no one was going to do anything unless you forced them to. Yeah. Well, yeah, not only that, you see, another thing people will say, you've heard this a hundred times probably, is, well, you know, true socialism hasn't been tried. We haven't had the right people orchestrating it. Yeah, I know. That's the old refrain. There's no such thing as the right people in this sense, because if someone believes in it and he's well-meaning and many young people are, then that person has to understand that the kind of person who's going to ascend to power in a socialist system is not going to be as they are. Because to have a socialist system, you have to have a big government orchestrating things from the top down. That government has to have a lot of power and control. That means you're not going to have freedom. And the kind of person who rises to power in that system is not going to be a virtuous individual. It's going to be a megalomaniac. It's going to be a psychopath like Stalin or a narcissist. It's going to be a power seeker. That's what has to be understood. Look, look at our political system even today. We have a representative republic, Joseph, but even now our politicians are the worst among us. 
because politics attracts power seekers, as I said. And that's why you have to have a balance of power. That's why government has to be kept as small as possible, because government is a poor servant and a very, very dangerous master. And it leads to a sort of logical fallacy in the host socialist idea. Oh, you can't trust corporations because they're full of a bunch of big evil people. So let's instead create this other organization of humans with unchallenged power, also composed of evil people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad you said that because you know what Bernie Sanders says in his book? He says, quote, the corporate elite are not nice guys. They are ruthless, and day after day, they sacrifice human life and well-being in order to protect their privilege. Well, you know what? He's right. He's right in part. Many of them are like that. But as you just said, who populates big government? They're also not nice guys. They're also ruthless, many of them. Look at our politicians. They also sacrifice human life and well-being to protect their privilege. Look at the whole COVID fiasco, what the government did, making bad decision after bad decision, locking down the economy, which cost many more lives than it saved. We know that now definitively. Studies have shown that. Look at the government trying to impose these so-called vaccines on everyone, and we believe now that that has led to many, many excess deaths from myocarditis and many other problems induced by these drugs. And we also know now that these drugs are not efficacious. But my point is, is that these people are no better. But what is the difference? The difference is, is if you're working for PepsiCo and you don't like your employer, you can go to Coca-Cola company or you can go somewhere else. You have an alternative. When you have this top-down socialist system, where else are you going to go? It's the only game in town because the government starts controlling everything. And you might say, well, you could leave the country. Hopefully, but you know what? We know looking at the history of the Iron Curtain days that you couldn't even do that because they locked their citizens in because they made life so bad that they knew no one wanted to stay there. This is how you create hell on earth. And I'm telling you, young people and all people, don't go down this road. Don't follow this Pied Piper of socialism because it's not going to lead you anywhere good. And these people are either ignorant or they're malevolent or both. The people who are pushing this in the vanguard of it, I mean. I don't mean the supporters who are well-meaning. They don't have your best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. And it seems to play with uh, on the most negative emotions we have, such as greed and envy, for example. You mentioned in your article that uh, in Bernie Sanders' book, he talks about the opulent lifestyles of the wealthy to kind of invoke jealousy of anyone who's reading it. I mean, of course, forgetting the irony that he has like three or four houses himself. <laughs> right. Well, absolutely. And of course, he doesn't point out that in the process of accumulating this wealth, these people have enriched society in various ways. And understand when I say this, look, I'm no fan of billionaires in general, such as Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. I mean, most of them are left-wingers, and nowadays they are funding in many ways the destruction of our society by funding wokeness. But at the end of the day, when these people pursue their endeavors, they create jobs, they create technology. That's how it works. As Walter Williams, the economist, put it years ago, he said, the great thing about a healthy free market is that it gives your fellow man an incentive to serve you, even if he doesn't give a darn about you, because at the end of the day, he can make money by serving you. And, you know, charity is great, Joseph. I believe in it. It's tremendous. But only so much can be done through charity. You have to have wealth creators out there. And like I said before, using my example of Robert Owen and the 19th century communes, if you don't provide that financial incentive, you're not going to have much productivity. Let's face it. Just ask yourself, everyone listening. I mean, how many people who you know would be productive if they weren't making money through doing so? One or two, maybe, but in most cases, no. It's not going to happen. So absolutely, you have to understand, yes, we shouldn't worship big business, but big business does do a lot of good just as a matter of course, just by seeking its own self-interest. And again, you don't want to have this merger of government and big business. You see, that's where the problem arises, actually, because we talk about the trespasses of big business, but they become really bad when you create that nexus with big government, because then government tilts the playing field in big business's favor.
Mm -hmm. And the little companies, they don't have the money to keep up. Uh, you can overregulate them to death. But uh, Selwyn Duke, Correct. writer with The New American, appreciate you being on The Alan Nathan Show today. And listeners, if you want to check out his article, it is over at thenewamerican.com, titled Socialism Rising, with Bernie Sanders leading the charge. And we have more Alan Nathan Show coming up after this. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. Jump Clouds Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices, and cloud based options aren't ideal either. Jump Cloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end to end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who, who got, got his, his first, first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me, would there be a ventilator for me, would I be able to survive something 
it's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy, it's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back to the Al Nathan Show. Thank you for sticking with us through this hour. Silker Joe Show co-host Joe sitting in for Alan today. We are joined now by Kurt Couchman. He is a senior fellow in fiscal policy and Americans for Prosperity, and he previously served with the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Kurt Couchman, happy to have you today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, Joe. I'm always happy to have you on, but never happy about the topic, though. We're talking about inflation. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, recent numbers have come out. February, the uh, Consumer Price Index, that uh, showed an increase of 0.4% from the previous month. Prices have climbed 6% on an annual basis. Inflation's what, three times what it was pre-pandemic? Yet the Biden administration is out there saying, don't believe the figures, don't believe the numbers, don't believe the prices you see in the stores. Everything's fine. Everything's not fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're seeing an inflation crisis that's brought on by too much spending. And uh, the, the numbers you cited were just for February. Uh, just in February, overall prices increased by four tenths of a percent. That's almost a five percent annual rate. The prices uh, are on track to increase this year if they keep doing um, that rate. Uh, if you exclude food and energy, which are a little more volatile, they just bounce around more. Um, there was uh, 0.5% growth. That's a 6% annual uh, rate of inflation, uh, excluding food and energy. But of course, uh, it's food where so much of the inflationary impact has been felt most. Um, so the inflation crisis is not solved. It's a crisis of too much spending. And until we reduce the deficits and get the debt under control, um, you know, it's unclear when it's going to peter out. Hmm. And I've seen some of the wealthy talking heads on TV telling us that, oh, well, uh, so what if you have to pay a little more for your food? The government that you that the current the Biden administration is doing so many important things, you should just uh, support them anyway. Uh, I don't think that's going to play well with people who have empty stomachs now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real nice for people to have a lot of disposable income to lecture the rest of us about, you know, you know, how we should be grateful for all these things that are being done. But, you know, there are a lot of things the federal government is doing that don't make sense. Sometimes uh, those activities should be done by the state or local governments, sometimes by the private sector, and sometimes by no one. Uh, like there's no reason why the federal government needs to have an extensive apparatus for spying on Americans. That's ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, maybe save some of the money that we use for that and uh, put it towards something else like a program to help the people most impacted by inflation, for example, or at least sling some over at East Palestine to help clean everything up over there. But what what this inflation crisis that we have, the government doesn't seem inclined to really do anything about it except to try and say it doesn't exist and, you know, maybe – I guess they're trying to raise the Federal Reserve interest rates or whatever, and that's might be contributing to it. But uh, like, mm-hmm. is there some overall strategy that they're doing that's preventing something worse from happening and we just have to bite through inflation? Because I think that's what they've been implying about the Federal Reserve increases, that like if they don't increase them, something bad's going to happen. Well, the reason we're having inflation is because the growth in the money supply is outpacing the actual growth in the economy. That gap is what's given us inflation so far. And the remaining gap um, is the inflation that we can expect over the next couple of years. Um, to the extent that the Federal Reserve keeps buying federal debt and expanding the money supply, um, we're going to have more inflation. They're trying to neutralize that by increasing interest rates across the economy. Um, that has negative effects. It's already impacted um, investment uh, in in homes especially, but also in terms of like business plant and equipment. And now we're seeing it in the financial sector. Uh, some of these huge bank failures that we've seen recently, that is also an outgrowth of excessive spending and borrowing during the pandemic, um, you know, through the Fed trying to uh, 
trying to tamp down on inflation by increasing interest rates, banks, um, you know, they make their money off of long-term loans, like mortgage loans, 30 years for a lot of mortgages. And they they borrow money to be able to finance those loans, uh, oftentimes in the, the form of demand deposits or money market mutual accounts. Uh, sometimes they'll just issue bonds. Uh, and the thing is that the the liabilities, the things they have to pay for, those change a lot faster than the long-term loans that they make their money off of. So when you see interest rates go up fast like they have recently, that is toxic for banks. And that's very similar uh, to the circumstance that gave us the savings and loan crisis in, two, in, the, in the 1980s. This is a very different scenario from the 2008 time. It's more like the 1980s scenario. And that ended with huge taxpayer bailouts for financial institutions. Hmm. And we're already seeing that starting with the Silicon Valley Bank tax. Uh, they, sure. Of course, they're not using the term bailout, and they're saying it's not a bailout, but then you read what they're doing, it's a bailout. They just changed the name. It's a bailout, yep. And uh, the, they're trying to say that it's not a taxpayer bailout, and yes, it's not collected you know, through the government directly on taxpayers. It's collected on banks through the power of the government, and the bank's of course, get their money and pass along their costs to their customers, many of whom, most of whom, uh, are presumed to be taxpayers. So it's it's uh, it's verbal uh, gamesmanship and trickery, but like ultimately, these are bailouts. The the people that had assets in these banks that uh, are being made whole, um, despite not being covered by the deposit insurance in the way in the way that uh, it's supposed to be set up. Um, it's a bailout. There's no question about it. Now, do you see more banks failing as the interest rates continue to rise, or is it just that these were particularly pathetic banks, despite all of their uh, talk about uh, being woke and all that stuff? They just were really had unsound business models. Probably the ones we've seen so far had the most um, vulnerable business models, but the entire financial sector is feeling the pinch right now. It's just that basic math. Um, and that, that really highlights the importance of getting the federal government's fiscal trajectory uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, the president's budget is basically posturing for the debt limit that's going to have to be addressed later in, uh, later this year. And, uh, you know, there are other people who are saying we need to do entitlement reform. Some saying we need to go after woke and weaponized federal government. Uh, and we're primarily focused on let's fix the, fix the system so that we can all come together and and uh, find those areas where it doesn't make sense for the government to do things and reduce the deficits and the debt and the overspending that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it's high time that we start pivoting to uh, serious deficit reduction, to really reviewing the activities the government's involved with. And uh, when they don't make sense, when they, when they don't add value for the American people, we pair them back or maybe end them entirely. Hmm. Yeah, well, with any luck, uh, the Biden administration will come up with some sort of policy that will actually work and affect us properly. I can't imagine, though, that uh, at this time with our current trajectory, I guess we'll just have to ride it out and see how it goes. Uh, maybe things will get better before they get worse. Who knows? But uh, Kurt Couchman, Senior Fellow in Fiscal Policy at Americans for Prosperity. Appreciate you being on the Alan Nathan show today to share some updates about the situation. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to hear these updates and the rest of the program, for that matter. Uh, you can find out more about this show, MainStreetMediaNetwork.com or AlanNathan.com. Be seeing you. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.